0: Praise the Lord, and welcome to the Rock City Church Podcast with Senior Pastor Bishop Bart Pierce in Baltimore, Maryland. We pray this message strengthens and encourages you to be all that God has called you to be. So let's dive into God's Word.
1: Awesome. All right, y'all ready for the Word? Yeah. You're already up on your feet. Yeah. You know, we are blessed this evening to have Pastor Jim Martin with us. Uh, just a great man of God. I mean, awesome what God is doing at Center City Church. Um, I'm blessed to also just say that we have a great relationship with him. You know, he's always got the joy of the Lord on his face, no matter what's going on. And he always brings a word, a powerful word to encourage us. And are you guys ready for the teaching that's about to come now? All right, church, well, put your hands together for Pastor Jim Phil Martin.
2: Thank you, sir. All right, well, good evening, good evening. Good evening. All right, let's pray. You say, come, Holy Spirit, come into this place. Fill us tonight. Lord, uh, may the word come forth according to your will. May the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you, O Lord. May we have ears to hear. May we have eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat, have a seat. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Jarvis, right? Yes. Your back still doing okay? Yes. Is it is it healed or is it, uh, it have issues still? It's, I have kind of okay. Why don't you stand up? Church, let's pray for him. So Sunday we prayed for him and for his back and his knee, and um, and then he stood up and he said, "Man, I feel all the better." And uh, so, good. Healing, Lord. So, Father, we ask for healing right now. In the name of Jesus. Not a partial healing, but we pray for a complete healing right now. Fully in his heart, fully in his mind, and fully in his body. We declare that sozo healing upon him today. The fullness of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. How's that feeling? You feel it better? Sure? You're not just blowing smoke, are you? Okay, good. Don't do that. Good. All right. Let me know as uh, as the night goes on. Well, it was good to be with you guys on Sunday, and uh, had a blessed time. And then I've been in Bible Bible school teaching on the Book of Acts all week long. So uh, so the the school is uh, it's wearing me out. I mean, it's pulling it out. And uh, it, it's been so good, so blessed. So uh, Pastor Corley and Bishop Art, we bless you guys as they. Down at, down at Eleuthera and enjoying themselves. And we just pray that level of refreshing over them and strength and that the word of the Lord is clear and, and uh, just God continues to give direction as yeah, the season that they're in and what they're doing. So I'm going to give you a verse that we're going to start with and then we're going to go into Romans chapter 4. And, uh, and I got a video I'm going to share with you. So, uh, so we're in, we're in Acts... Let's see Acts fourteen, Acts fourteen. I'm gonna give you give you one specific verse. I'll tell you the uh, the context of it. Uh, it's verse nine, Acts fourteen nine. This man, well, I'll go to eight. That he Paul's in Lystra, and a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Crippled since his mother's womb, he had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observed him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leapt, and he walked. Yeah. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying, in a Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Now they go off. They go, they go off because they're trying to mix their mindset, their worldly mindset, uh, their idolatrous mindset with what just happened. Sometimes in Signs and Wonders and Miracles of God, people cannot quantify it. They can't figure it out because they're trying to figure it out with their own mind, their own culture, and what they've always experienced. So in this culture, they believed in Zeus, they believed in Hermes, they believed in those Greek gods. That's what they lived by. And so when Paul and Barnabas were there ministering, they yelled and said, Barnabas is Zeus and Paul is Hermes mainly because Paul did most of the speaking, and so Hermes was the messenger god, right? And so they, uh, they went off. But what I want to focus on here is that this man heard Paul speaking. Sometimes there's something... That's inside of you. You you are intent on hearing somebody. When, When Jesus would speak, people would come and they would lean into him. They wanted to hear the spirit of God. They wanted to hear. They testified it. It resonated deep inside of them. And they were drawn to it. And then it says, then Paul observing him intently. That's when I look around the room and I observe you intently. Are you sleeping on me today? Have you fallen asleep? And then he said, seeing that he had faith to be healed. As I came down off the stage on Sunday, I could see where the Holy Spirit was on different people. We come running to the altar or we come in the the service and good preachers, a lot of times, they'll walk over to a place because they're like, oh, the anointing's over here. They're observing, they're seeing it because somebody is drawing that out of them. They want that. They're going to pull that out of them. I preach well when I come down here because you pull it out of me and I get, I get that opportunity to keep going. People aren't looking at their watches saying, um, I, I, I got to go home. I got something to do. The Steelers and, the, and the, the Ravens aren't playing anymore. So, you know, we don't got anywhere to go. So we're like, ah, I want the meat. I want the word of God, right? And so, so I'm in that place that, and being pulled. So in the same way, this man was looking at Paul. He heard him, and he said, I, 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 I want something that he's got. There's this guy, his name is Andrew Shearman. I've known him for a long, long time. British guy. And, and one time he was flying on an airplane, and he's hanging out, and he's, dry, he's on that airplane, and then, and then he's, he's, just, he's just praying, he's just, he's just doing his thing, and he's just going. But you know the anointing that's on our lives? In Acts, you see it over and over. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just once, not Acts 2, but Acts 3, and Acts 4, and Acts 6, and Acts 8. They were filled over and over, full of the Holy Ghost. See, there's a thing about getting touched, sprinkled, but I want to be baptized. I want to be immersed. I want the fullness of God, not just a Pentecost Acts chapter 2 moment. I want, I want Acts chapter 3 moment. I want Acts chapter 6 moment. I want Acts chapter 9 moment. I want to see this happen every single day. i got to get back into that place where I want, I want more. And then what happens is that, that you're pressed down you're shaken together, and you begin to overflow. Isn't that right? You yeah. begin to overflow. And what happens is, when you're walking down the street, the Spirit of God is so full in you that, that people say, and Gentiles and all the people say, i got to bring my sick out onto the, onto the street so that even my shadow would fall on you. It's nothing about the shadow. It's about the anointing that is overflowing. It's about the fullness of the Spirit of God. Sometimes we're dry, We need a drink. We need to get filled up again. And we need to get filled up again. And so this man heard something in Paul that was overflowing. And he he leaned in and he said, I need what he has. And Paul looks at him intently. He looks at him intently. And he recognized in his spirit that this man had faith to be healed. So he didn't just whisper. He didn't just say something. It says with, with exclamation, stand up. Stand straight up on your feet. And it says the man leapt and the man walked. Sometimes we get too content. And sometimes we, we, don't, we don't lean in. We just... All right, what you got today, preacher? well maybe that's the preacher's fault because the preacher's not filled up overflowing saying whatever i got i give it to you peter and james no peter and john acts three silver and gold i don't have but what i have i give to you freely you've been given so Freely you've received, so freely give it away. So free, what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So there's something that's got to be inside of us. Every single one of us has to have something. Yes. My question is, what, 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 what level are you at right now? Yes. What level are you? Are you ankle deep in the spirit right now? Ezekiel 47. Are you knee deep in the spirit right now? I can, I can look at you and say, oh, you're dry. You're empty. You cannot minister out of an empty place. You can't minister out of an empty place. And that's on you. That's on you. Get into that secret place. You want the anointing that Bishop walks in. You want the anointing that, that pro- what is it, Prophet Victory over years ago came in. You want the anointing to prophesy, call somebody's name out, what street they live in. But, but, but you're not willing to go into the secret place to go for it. The anointing... The word anointing is the word mashach. You know that, right? The word mashach. The word mashach, Yeshua Hamashiach. That's So the word mashach literally means to rub off onto. The anointing rubs off onto somebody. You, you pour that oil, but when it's on you already, you rub that on somebody. You know, you go to a good restaurant, and when you walk out of that restaurant, you smell like that restaurant. When I go to a Chinese restaurant... And I walk out, and somebody can say, you were at a Chinese restaurant. I, mean, I smell it. Fried rice? You've been in Panda today. You, you, it rubs off on you, right? And so when you, it says that, it says, wait a second, these guys were unschooled, uneducated, ordinary men, but they've been with Jesus. The anointing has rubbed off. Where you at, your ankle deep. You knee deep today. You waist deep. See, at least when we're waist deep, we're still in control. I'm just saying, whenever you get a little deeper, you're not in control anymore. The Holy Ghost is in control. And sometimes He will do stuff that will offend your mind. I'll say it again. Sometimes He will do stuff to offend your mind. Your mind, not just somebody else, yours. But when I'm ankle deep, I got it. I, I, at any moment, if it, uh, it gets a little rough, if it gets a little, little cold, I can get out. Knee deep, I'm still good. I go fishing. I love to go fishing. Bishop catches bigger fish than me. I get it. <laughs> I, I, and I love it. But, but knee deep, it's a little scary. It can be a little scary. You, you, the, 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 the current can come. Yeah. But, but, but you still can get out. When it gets up to waist deep, you aren't getting out too quickly. When you get that chest level, you're about in. But when you get up to your head, it's no longer you. In the river, it is no longer you. You begin to float and you begin to go wherever the river leads you. May we be in a place that the Spirit of God would lead us wherever He desires. Wherever He desires. Where are you at? Your ankle? Your knee? I want to be immersed. Some of you guys got got sprinkled when you were a baby, right? You grew up Catholic, you grew up Methodist, you grew up whatever. And they gave you, and they sprinkled you in there. But there's something about getting immersed. When I I got saved and I got baptized, I went into this pond at the creation festival, nasty, stinky pond, and I went under that water and I came out a different person. I got immersed. Immersed. When I was 16 years old and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and as I stood there at this assembly of God, camp meeting, revival service, nobody praying for me, and I just stood there worshiping God, and the Spirit of God came on me, a heat, and intensity, and all of a sudden these words that I didn't even know what was going on came out of my mouth. I was different. Because everything inside of me was Changed. I didn't know what was going on. I was a good Methodist boy, and I said, what was that? <laughs> what was that? And uh, and the next night, the, the, the gentleman preached about it, and I said, this is that. This is that. I got that. Now, I didn't quite know what to do with that. And over time, I began to say, oh, I got to cultivate that. I... Do you, the gifts of the Spirit, do you know you got to cultivate them? Yes. Sure, you can get them. You can get, you can get Pentecost chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and be good with that and say, boy, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Boy, I, I got a little taste of God. It was so good back then. But what about today? And what about tomorrow? I need it again. I need it afresh. I, I, I want a little bit more. Today, I want to go diving into the river. Maybe maybe I'm ankle deep, but what I'm going to do at this point, because I know what to expect, there's a hope that lies within me that I'm, I'm not going to stay knee deep. I'm just going to start running, and I'm jumping in. You've ever been to the beach? And you, you tiptoe in a little bit, right? And then there's those people that you're like, you know what, I'm just going to get past all of this uncomfortableness, and I'm just going to run, and I'm jumping in. I'm going deep. Stephen Curtis Chapman has an old song on that. And over my head, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. I want that. So he looked intently. He noticed. He observed. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you observe things that you don't normally observe. How can he know that this man had faith to be healed? I'm going to ask you, how did he know that? How did he know that? It's because his spirit was pulling something. He could t- because he's a spiritual individual. The spirit is overflowing, so he recognized the spirit. Spirit recognizes spirit. Yeah. Just as the same thing, if a drug addict walks in here, they know who the other drug addicts are. They will find them within five minutes. They can smell them out. Someone that has, a, has a spirit of perversion on them. They will smell the other people with perversion on them. That spirit will find them in this place. But the Apostle Paul was full of the Holy Spirit. So he could observe all of those things. That's why the discernment of spirits is so important in this hour. The discernment of spirit in the house of God among the people of God is essential in this hour. That we know what's true and what's false. When somebody walks in and they, they claim to be something or they're going to prophesy or, or they, they come in, I, I thank God for this. But when I was early in our church plant, I, I watched a gentleman come walking into our church, very dignified, rich millionaire, multi-millionaire, and I'm like, what's he doing in our church? We got, we got 30, 40, 50 people in our church. What's he doing there? And... Uh, and he'd come, and he would then come up and tell you something, and he'd always bring a crisp $100 bill and put it in the offering, just so we could see it. Just so we could see it. And I'm like, mm. and I know, I mean, he can, he can give 10 of those, 100 of those crisp $1 bills, and he'd be fine. And I'd be like, what's going on? And then after he'd been here for a couple weeks, then I watch him, and I see him. He's sitting with a pretty young lady. And this is a guy's 60s, and then uh, and then next week I see him sitting by another different pretty young lady. Ah, what was it? My what was our bishop said? He said, "This isn't the face of a stupid person." Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that money. <laughs> those 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 uh, what was it? The airline tickets. I texted him and I said. I texted him that when he preached that I texted that quote, and he said, "What do? You, what's that mean?" I said, "You quoted that. I'm just quoting you. That's all. I'm just quoting you." And and I recognized. And so individually, and then in intercessors, we began to pray and say, "Not in this house. We won't have those wolves in this house. And we need the spirit of discernment. We need it in the house of God so incredibly." It's still incredibly important in this hour. I want to share a video with you. And then I want to read uh, from Romans chapter 4. But if you watch this video, last weekend, last Sunday, was the Super Bowl, right? Anybody watch the Super Bowl? Man, not many hands. You don't care. The Ravens are out of it. Whatever. The Rams were in it. Let me help you out here. The Bengals, who swept both the Ravens and the Steelers this year, were in the Super Bowl. And then there was the, 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 the St. Louis Rams. The Los Angeles Rams, they don't know who they are. The Los Angeles Rams, getting to play in their home stadium. But there were a whole heck of a lot of Christians playing that day. And there was one individual, his name was Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. He barely even made it into the college level. He only, at the very end, was offered one measly scholarship to like Eastern or Western Washington University. And nobody even knows where that is, because we don't even know if it's Eastern or Western. I don't know. They don't know who he... But he, he's a nobody, and he makes it into the NFL. And then this year, he was the NFL's offensive MVP, having a season like only one other player has ever had in the, in the, in the history of the NFL, is he who is he where'd he come from he tells the story of what happened and this year he was the nfl super bowl nvp the most valuable player in the biggest game of the season i want you to hear his story he shares after the after the game at the press conference
1: it was uh in 2019 we walked off the field that last uh, that last time after losing to the Patriots I wasn't able to be a part of that thing but I don't know what it was there's just this vision that God revealed to me that we were gonna come back we were gonna be a part of a Super Bowl we were gonna win it and uh, and somehow somehow I was gonna walk off the field as the MVP of the game and. I shared that with my wife because I couldn't tell anyone else obviously what that was. But from the moment this postseason started there was just a belief every game it was just it was written already. Um, it was written already and, and I just got to play free knowing that um, you know, I got to play from victory not for victory. I got to play in a place where I was, I was validated, not from anything that happened on the field, but because of my worth in God and in my Father.
2: It was already settled. It was settled. He said, I played from victory, not for victory. He played from a place of victory, not for a place for victory. It's a mindset difference. It is a very significant thing. Did you catch it? He had a vision after the 2019 Super Bowl. He said it. He was injured, so he didn't even get to play in it. But he was given a vision by God that they were going to be in the Super Bowl, they were going to win, and he was going to be the MVP. With a minute and 28 seconds left in this game, The quarterback rolls out. Cooper Cup goes into the corner and does a back shoulder catch, catches the game winning touchdown. And from that point, named the Super Bowl MVP. I'm going to use this illustration according to, and use it, and so you see it along this word. Because we have to shift how we think. We have to live from a place of victory, not from a place that I'm striving for victory. It's already done. It's already accomplished. It's already settled in heaven. Will we come into agreement with it? All right, you want to turn to to Romans chapter 4 with me. I want to dive into this, share a few things from it. We're going to be talking about Abraham. That verse 17 is a key one. It says, it's God who gives life to the dead. And he calls those things which do not exist as if they did. It's God that gives life to the dead. Focuses on that. It's God that gives life to the dead. I'm going to say it a couple times. It's God that gives life to the dead. Sometimes we think something's over. But it's already been settled it's already been accomplished do we have faith do we trust and do we have hope that god's word will not return void that it will do exactly what it intended to do as isaiah 55 says who contrary to hope in hope believed who contrary to hope, we got to identify what hope is, and I'll get to that in a second, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. This is Abraham who called those things that were not as if they were, right? Uh, According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. You remember, Abraham was 100 years old, approximately, almost. And the word of the Lord came. And the word of the Lord will not return void, but it will accomplish what exactly it intended to do. Will we, in hope, hold on to that? Or will we walk contrary to that? So shall your descendants be, verse 19. Paul says it this way. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Not being weak in faith. How about we just say, he was strong in his faith. He was strong. He was from a place of of sturdiness. He was from a place that he was standing. The word of God spoke, I'm holding on to that thing. I'm not wavering. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. What is it that Jesus rebuked his disciples for over and over and over again? Little faith and unbelief. Little faith and unbelief. Do you know why we don't go in the river beyond our knees? Because we truly don't believe God's going to take care of us. We're probably going to die when we get into that river over our head. Because God doesn't really care for me. He's really not going to take care of me. If I'm saying, if I'm if I'm if, if I'm being honest, there are some times that I'm afraid to jump in over there because I don't know if God's going to show up. I don't know if God is going to come through in that moment, that I need Him to come through. But Abraham was a special individual. He did not waver at the promise. You say promise? What was the promise? What was the promise? You're going to have a child. Sarah laughed. (laughs) Abraham believed. And it was uh, uh, accounted as righteousness to him. And he did not waver at the promise of God. If we take that from Isaiah 55, that God's word will not return void. His word will not return void. And that it will accomplish exactly what it intends to do, then we can live from a place of victory rather than a place that we're striving for victory. When we're striving for victory, we we haven't won yet. We don't know if we've won yet, we may lose. But if we live from the place of victory, from the place of promise, that, that, uh, uh, that Abraham already knew what God said. He believed his word. It was going to be accredited to him. He, he said, it will not return void to me. I know who he is. Then I'm going to hold on to that. Yeah. This is where we get people that despise prophecies. The word of God says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good because guess what sometimes some bones are thrown in there let go of those things and you hold fast to what is good people will say that's where you get you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. well i I don't know about all of that stuff some of that might have been off some of that might have been flesh i'm going to throw that but i'm going to hold on to what is fast i'm going to hold on to what is good and so you got to be able to discern is that true is that the spirit of God or is that the flesh? Is that the soul? And what is there, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to, hold, I'm going to hold on to the very end. I might be 100 years old, but I'm going to continue to hold on. Yes. My womb might not be able to produce any longer, but I'm going to hold on because God said it would be, and I will be there. I will hold on. And even if, you, if I come up to the fiery furnace... My God will take care of me, as the boy said. But even if he doesn't, I still will not bow the knee. I still will not, because I will hold on. I will hold fast, even to the very end of my day. Where are you at? Are you ankle deep? Where are you at? You knee deep. I like you a lot, Jesus, but uh, I'm still holding on. I still got control. I'm still going to do my thing. I still like my, my drink. I still like to have a couple cigarettes here and there. I still I still I still can I poke at it? Oh yeah, yeah We 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 got stuff that we hold on and say, Jesus, this part of my heart, this part of my life, I don't want you to touch me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go so far. Sunday morning I'm gonna go jump in the water. I'm gonna go jump in. It's 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 waist level. I'm gonna jump in, but I still waist level so I can get out at any point. I can still get, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to look good. I'm going to look like I just got completely baptized, but I still can get out. I can still get out. Hmm. Where are we at? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in the faith and giving glory to God. Verse 21. Being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Being fully convinced. I'm going in a little bit here. I'm, I'm, I'm half convinced. Am I fully convinced? If you and I are fully convinced, guess what? We're going to be at the place where we turn the world upside down. If you really are fully convinced that God is going to heal the sick, then you're going to be laying hands on the sick all the time if you're fully convinced that God is going to come through and perform exactly what He said and promised, then you're jumping in. You believe it. You're on it. I was on a call this week, and I talked about some of the healings that happened recently. And I shared different healings. I shared some of the stories on Sunday. And one lady says, how come we don't see all this stuff in America right now? That's because of our unbelief. Because we're not fully convinced God is who he says he is. We're fully convinced God is who he, w- he said he was. But we're not fully convinced God is who he says he is today. Amen. All of us in the church are really good with preaching Christ and him crucified. Man, I'll preach Christ and him crucified day in and day out. It, he's oh, it's a conviction of my sin. Jesus is up there on that cross. It's that crucifixion. And, but, but the problem is, if we don't take Christ and him crucified alongside of the resurrected Christ, we're not seeing the fullness of the gospel. Most people love to stay in Christ and him crucified. And you feel like worms, and you feel terrible, and you feel, that's, you know, our Catholic brothers, I feel bad for them. Because they, they, they come in and they, they, they feel dreadful and they feel terrible, like they're, they're crucifying Jesus all over again. Gosh, we got to be convicted of our sins. What Jesus went through and he went on that cross and what he bore, Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said he would preach, right? He said, I will preach Christ and I will preach Christ crucified. I'm on that. Fantastic. I'm going to do that all day long. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus isn't still on the cross. He went into that grave, but he's not still in that grave. He came up out of that grave. The Apostle Paul then continued to say, he said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to preach Christ. I'm going to preach Christ crucified. But he said, I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the power of his resurrection. So, so i got to preach him crucified because you and I need to know the weight of our sins and that Jesus lifted that sin off. He was that propitiation. He was that one that removed the atonement and pulled that sin off of us. Thank God for that. I'm so grateful for that. But do you know there's a whole other group of churches that will never preach Christ and Him crucified? They will preach the resurrected Christ. See, they'll, they'll preach the resurrected Christ only. And so therefore... You don't really need to ask for forgiveness of your sins you don't walk in a place of sin you walk in a place of victory that's fantastic i love that you and i love that we're gonna preach victory we're gonna walk in that place of christ raised the resurrection christ so that we can walk in this we're the head and not the tail we're gonna go for it we're going for it i get it but if we don't combine the two we don't have the fullness of the gospel We walk in a, sometimes it can be a, a cheap grace over here because we're not, we don't, hey, I, I didn't, I, I'm no longer a sinner, man. I get it. I'm not a sinner. I'm going to tell you that, that, that you're not a sinner. You're a saint. See, see over here on this camp, people will say, well, I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a, I'm a recovering addict. And you identify as the addict. But the beauty is over here, that's no longer You. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. And so you come over here and you're, I'm a saint that have been saved by grace. I get it. But if we don't understand the both, we don't see the fullness of who he is. Because at one moment, we got to better preach. We better preach Christ and him crucified. But over here, we got to recognize hey, I'm playing from a place of victory. It's already settled, God's already done it. I don't need to go back. And sometimes people will run to the altar over and over to get saved again for the 10th time, for the 100th time. You don't need to run there to get saved once again. You need a Holy Ghost to be empowered so you don't keep falling again. And so there's a difference, but there's the combination that we need both and identifying, man, I love to preach. I love to know I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. But he doesn't stop there, does he? And he says something. What's, that rest, what's the rest of Philippians 3.10 say? I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And what? You, you said it? What'd you say? You're mumbling. You don't like that one. You don't like that one. I like to say, I want to know Christ. I want that secret place. I want to dwell in it. Oh, I'm going to worship today. I'm going to read the word. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power, the dunamis power. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. I'm going to cast out demons. Paul, why did you say that's the next part? I don't like that part. And I want to... I don't want to say it. I don't like that one. It's the fullness of the gospel. It's the fullness of the message that, guess what? He says, I want a fellowship of his sufferings. I want a fellowship. The word koinonia. That's a deep place that I begin to get his heart. And I get into that place. Why would Paul say, I want a fellowship in his sufferings? Why? Why? Don't put that in there. Take that out. Cre- create the Elder Mark version of the Bible and take that one out. <laughs> we don't like that. And I want the fellowship of his sufferings. We'll get to that. And what's the fourth? And being conformed to his It's no, longer Christ that li- it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. The Apostle Paul says, hey, to die is gain. That's me, man. I want to I be with Jesus. But to live, that's Christ. Because he's got an assignment for me. He's got more for me to do. I like to preach. I want to know Jesus. I want to I know the power of of his resurrection, but I, I, I also want to share in the fellowship. Fellowship of the Ring, I get it. Yep, yep. Gandalf, here we go. We're doing it. We're going there. The fellowship. There, there. That was a rough. That was a rough show, boys. It's not an easy road. Some of you guys lost some fingers. Some of you guys lost your buddies. Some of you guys. I'm telling you, by at the end of the end of the day, when we come to our end. Some of us better have some fingers lost. Some of us better have some marks on our faces. If we haven't, we haven't fellowshiped and shared in the sufferings. I've heard it. You follow a man that has a limp. Because that man moved from Jacob and became Israel, and he wrestled with God, and he came out on the other side. But he had a little beat down along the way. If we live from the place that it's grace, 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 the reality is they're probably not really real. It's a lot of fluff. It's a lot of facade. Because anybody that's real and anybody that's walked with Jesus will share in the fellowship of his sufferings. They will understand when somebody stabs you in the back. They will understand when somebody walks out on you. They will understand when somebody looks at you in the face, but really, inside, they hate your guts. They will understand that. So you hear it. Those of you who have walked through it, you understand it, and you're like, yep, I get it. I get it. Man, I love to tell the stories of healings and resurrections and all of that other stuff, but the real stuff is, hey, guess what? Today, I'm standing. That's the real victory. And tomorrow, I'm going to stand again. The devil's going to throw what he throws. His minions are going to speak what they speak. And I'm going to stand today. And I'm going to stand tomorrow. And when you read the book of Acts, chapter 15, 13, 14, Paul who's such a great guy. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. Why would you pray that one to Paul? Because Paul goes to Iconium, preaches the gospel. They all get, a whole bunch of people get saved. And then his, his old boys that hate his guts show up and they stir everybody up against him. And a riot comes and they begin to beat Paul. They carry him out of the city and they stone him and they think he's dead and they leave him for dead. Then his disciples come around him. And Paul gets back up, and he goes right back in the city. He's tough. So he leaves there, and he goes to Lystra. And then when he's in Lystra, he preaches the gospel. It says when he left Iconium, he left with gladness of heart and full of the Holy Spirit. The boy just got beat down. He just got stoned. And it says, with gladness of heart and with joy in the Holy Ghost, they moved on to preach at the next place. How can that be? I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share. I want to to step into that fellowship because fellowship produces joy. In Acts chapter 2, after the great outpouring of 3,000... It says this is what they did daily. They gathered in the temple and they met house to house. And what did they do? They listened to the apostles' teaching. They fellowshiped together. They broke bread and they prayed. That is the foundation of the church. That's what they did. They they listened to the apostles' teaching, not just the Old Testament teaching. This is the new covenant of teaching. Then they fellowship together true fellowship brings absolute joy i said it before but sometimes in the church we have the most sour faces we are the crankiest people there are
0: Amen.
2: we're a sad group one of my friends that is a waiter and works in a restaurant said most places despise church folk on Sunday afternoon because they're the most demanding, the most self-righteous, and the lousiest tippers. That is a terrible thing that's on the name of the church. Amen. But it's true because we're all puffed up and we think we're all that, but really inside we don't have the joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength. We understand that, we pray that, we preach that. But fellowship is joy. When I get to go and break bread with Mark, Elder Mark, and we talk, we talk real, not facade, not fluff. It produces joy because he cares for me and I care for him. I don't have to put on a show. Because we're family. We want to be the, the army of God, but we are never going to truly be the army of God until we are the family of God. Until we get to a place that we begin to fellowship. See, the fellowship with Jesus is, I'm in this battle, I'm in this battle, and I, He's with me. And I don't have a whole lot of fake stuff inside of me. I don't have a whole lot of fluff. I don't have a whole lot of things that, that that people can come and point out all of my issues because when I'm in fellowship with Jesus, I'm real with him. I've been crucified. My flesh has been crucified. When I'm face to face with Jesus, I can't hide my garbage. And when I'm face to face with my brother, I can't hide my garbage. I shouldn't be able to hide my garbage. When I'm struggling, I'm struggling. But we don't do that. And ultimately, we put on these faces and these facades and we put on these masks and we're not real. Some people are angry with God. Some people are angry angry with each other. But I'm going to tell you what, the fellowship of his sufferings helps get rid of that stuff. It helps get rid of that stuff. Let's keep going in the scripture here. Where are we at? And verse 22, And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed it. And being fully convinced that he had, that he had promised, he was able to convince it, uh, to, to proceed, perform it. Therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, but it was, it was imputed to him, but it was also for us. So what happened for Abraham wasn't just for him, it was for all of us. It shall be imputed to us. That means accounted for. That means accredited to. Both believe in him, to those of us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, who believe that God raised up Jesus from from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. Beautiful. Let's go to the next chapter. Therefore, always pay attention to the scripture when it says therefore. He just laid a foundation of knowing believing trusting here is a man that was a hundred years old approximately but he believed god's word would come to pass and it accounted as righteousness to him it hadn't yet therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ Therefore, y'all say therefore.
0: therefore.
2: Therefore, we have peace. The word Greek, the Greek word there is ahraini. Ahreni. It is the same word in the Old Testament as shalom. Therefore, we have shalom with God through jesus christ if we get the foundation that he will do what he says he will do i am fully convinced that he is able to perform what he said he would do therefore i'm at peace i'm in shalom nothing missing nothing broken it's the fullness of all of that therefore we're operating out of a place of peace not out of a place i'm striving for victory I'm not, I'm running. I'm hoping that I'm going to win. I'm I'm working at it. I've already accomplished it. I've already got it. I just have to settle and be at peace. I've got to be at peace. Let's keep going then. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God through whom we have access. I'm at peace because now I have access through Christ. I have access through Christ by faith into this grace in which we stand. I'm not shaken because I learned I can stand. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to fellowship in His sufferings and I want to be conformed to the likeness of Him even unto death. I can stand because hey, I, who am I going to be afraid of? Am I going to be afraid of the man who can actually take my, my mortal life? Nah. I know who holds my eternity. Yeah. I know who holds my soul in his hands. So therefore, anybody that has a gun, anybody that has a, a knife, anybody that has a sword, hey, go ahead to go at it because I'm reading the book of Acts and I see that they're going to throw Peter in prison but an angel comes in the middle of the night, opens the prisons, takes off the, the chains and walks right through 16 guards and comes to a door. I see, I, I read about Paul and Silas who are singing at night, an earthquake happens and the prison doors go wide open. You aren't going to, if you are in Christ, you aren't going to die before your time. If God still has an assignment for you, and you are in Christ, the problem is, is when we're not in Christ. The problem is that when we're in our flesh and doing what we want to do. That's where the problem is. We're in the danger zone. But when we're in Christ, we aren't going anywhere until our time's up. Herod had just killed the Apostle James. He saw that the Jews were all excited about that. So he goes and grabs Peter, throws him in prison. It's the Passover. So they got to wait a day or so. While he's in there, Peter, it says, his arms are in chains. It says they got four squads of soldiers, 16 soldiers, two of them right beside him, a section right out the door, a section at the next door, and then there's an iron gate. This man was done but God. And an angel shows up and it says he pokes him in the side. He said, get up boy. Your time's not over. Do you believe? Are you fully convinced that he is who he says he is? He will do what he says he does. Your time's not over until God says it's over. And Peter's time was not over. He still had assignments to do. And he shows up and that young girl Rhoda." Opens the door and says, wait a second, Peter's out here. And she runs back into all her crew and said, Peter's out there. And they're like, you're crazy. You're just all excited. That's just his angel. That's just his angel. No, that's Peter. And he goes in and talks to him, tells him. And he didn't stop there. He said, I got to go tell more people. Your time's not over. Hillary, I pray for your mom right now. I pray for Debbie and I pray strength to her body. In the name of Jesus, we pray strength to her body right now. We declare the grace of God, the healing of God, the mercy of God over Miss Debbie right now. Strengthen her. I'm fully convinced. So, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. Sometimes we overlook all of this stuff. So so what's the word hope? Let's look at the word hope here. The word hope, the Greek word is E-L-P-I-S, and it says looking forward to in confident expectation. Cooper Cup looks forward to that game with confident expectation because God spoke to him in a vision that they were going to win the game and he was going to be the Super Bowl MVP. So therefore, he played from a place of victory with full confidence that what was, what was spoken would come to pass. Abraham had full faith, even at the age of almost 100 years old, that what was spoken would come to pass. He was fully convinced. So when we walk in this place that we will rejoice in the hope, fully confident with expectation, then we're okay with what's coming down the pike. We're okay with what's coming down the road, what's coming down the path. That bear might be coming down the path, but you're like, but God already told me that I'm getting to the other side that sickness is coming down, that shaking, that tribulation, it's coming. We'll keep going. Verse 3, and not only that, take that phrase. So here we go. Well, let me go back to verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to finish these last three verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, I got it. I'm done. It's, I'm settled. I'm settled. We have peace. We have the shalom of God. We trust. We're in this place that I'm walking in absolute peace. The word peace is key. The word hope is key. When you look at this, you, the word justified, man, it is, I'm done. I'm in this thing. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only place you're going to have peace. It's not going to be through money. It's not going to be through your job. It's not going to be through the economy. It's not going to be through the next opportunity that comes. The only place you have peace, that you're settled, that you can stand firmly, is in Jesus Christ. People run for money. They run for girls. They run for prestige. They run for power. And they will always leave you short. They will lie to you, and they will cheat you. In In the corporate ladder... I like to teach about those spheres, those mountains, right? I like to teach those mountains. And people love to climb the mountain. They want to get to the peak. They want to get to the top place. But I'm going to tell you what it takes for you to climb that mountain and to get to the top of the mountain is the very thing you will have to continue to do to stay at that mountain. So if you cheated and you cut corners and you kissed people's behinds then you will have to continue to do that up there. And what happens is, then all of those people will control you on the upside. But if you, from the very beginning, you've put your hope, you've put your trust, you've walked in integrity, you've walked in character, you've walked in the ways of God, and that is how you've got to where you're going, then that's all you have to do. You have to just trust that it is God who he says he is. He will do what he says he's done, and it's not up on you. It's not about you trying to cut back door and, 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 and try to weasel and swindle. Because if you weaseled and swindled and did whatever it takes to get up there, whatever it takes, that's business mentality, isn't it? That's, that's, a, that's a false level of capitalism that whatever it takes, I'm going to do it so I can get up here. If the American dream, what is the American dream they like to say? L- life, liberty... Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness happiness will always be fleeting. That right there is the lie. Life and liberty, fantastic. The pursuit of happiness will always leave you longing for more. Joy is eternal. Happiness, it leaves when you wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I ain't happy right now. That I gotta go to work. Happiness will lie to you. And if you pursue that, then all you're gonna do, what you're gonna pursue hey, I'm gonna go buy myself a new boat. I'm gonna buy myself a new boat. That made me happy. But once that boat breaks down, I'm not happy any longer. And once it gets a little older, I, I gotta get a bigger car. My car's gotta be fast right now. And then once I get that car, there's a better car. Somebody else has a better car than me. I'm not happy any longer. I got a big bigger house. Somebody else has a bigger house than me. I'm not happy any longer. Life, liberty, good. The joy. The fruit of the spirit is there's joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Those fruits of the Spirit will continue into eternity. Happiness won't. Happiness is fleeting. All right, so you will have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith. Into this, this grace, this grace, this goodness, this blessing. The word grace there is, is charis. Is the word charis, where we get charisma, where we get gifts. It's, it's a grace of God in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God that I am looking forward to with absolute confidence. Verse 3. Here's a here's big boy. You ready for it? And not only that. That was good. Paul says, that was really good. That was fantastic. Man, we're settled. We, 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 the grace is on us. We're, we got peace. It's so good. But not only that, there is more. There's always more. If we get to the point where we're like, ah, I've learned it all. I've got it all. We're fooling ourselves. Amen. And not only that, but we also glory. <clears throat> Paul, why would you say that? Paul I didn't like this part. Why'd you say it again? But we also glory in tribulations. What, what's he mean by glory? Some of your versions probably say it a little differently. Wait, he's, some versions say, "I boast. I brag. I sneeze." <laughs> she says, "I don't like that one. I'm not get that." Not only that, we don't stop there, we glory. It's it's not the word doxa, glory. It's a word that means boast, brag, rejoice in. I celebrate in tribulations. Not only that, but I celebrate in tribulations. I brag about them. I boast about them. Hey, did you see this scar right here? Let me tell you about this scar, baby. I got a story because I'm still standing. I'm not gone. I'm not done yet. I, it, not only all of that, but let me tell you about what I've been through. Because I'm going to tell you how good my God is. Amen. I boast. Amen. I brag. I rejoice, not in myself, but in the goodness of God. So, so not only that, but... but, uh, but but I'm going to glory in tribulations. Why? Why do I glory in tribulations? Knowing. See, we got to the point that, that Abraham said, I am fully convinced. I, am full, I have I've resolved it within me. I am standing here. I am fully convinced. And he says that knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance. What are you talking about? Tribulations. Trouble, distress, oppression. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance means endurance. Perseverance means patience. Reminds me of that 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. So, perseverance is like love. So, therefore, tribulations are part of all of how God is forming us and fashioning us, and we're going to appreciate it. I glory in these tribulations because I know that the tribulation produces something. Vision, when you see it, you perceive it, you observe it. Vision gives pain a purpose. Vision gives pain a purpose. Every athlete, every Olympic athlete has beat their bodies every olympic except for those curlers they're not beating their bodies they're out of shape <laughs> they got mullets they got they i mean maybe aren't i don't know but but they're different they're a different breed but any of the others they've learned to beat their body into shape to get somewhere because they have a vision of where they're going they have a vision so so perseverance it means endurance it means patience It's that similarity of love. Let's keep going then. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character. How's your character? If I could look into the depths of your being, into your heart, into your mind. How's your character? I glory in tribulations because tribulations produce perseverance that I'm standing That I'm enduring, that I got patience, I can do this. And I know that perseverance then produces character because character allows me to stand, it allows me to hold on. Character, it's the evidence, it's the tested proof that something is genuine. It's the tested proof that something is genuine. They left Egypt, and they went into the wilderness, and the Word of God says that they went into the wilderness to test their hearts. The wilderness is all about testing your hearts. Before Jesus ever went into the ministry, where did he go? He went to the wilderness to test them, to test them. Character. I get character. Character. I've been tested, I've been proved, I've been purified. I, I, I get to that point, and character produces hope. We just talked about that. And hope is a looking forward in confidence expectation. Now, hope does not disappoint. Now, hope does not disappoint. Now, I'm going to bring this here and try to bring it into something. I shared that video, Cooper Cup. I played from a place of victory not for victory. Church, are we striving for victory? Or are we settled? Are we set that I'm in the place of peace? Because I operate from a place of hope. But, but, but if you look at all of these, you, you have, let, let's just let's throw them up on the board here. Right? So we're going to throw them up on the board. What's the first one? I am, it says, wait a second, what was the very first part that it said? I, I glory... So uh, I'm going to glory in tribulations. So we got these, we got these tribulations. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Who wants that? I do because I, I, I see what's going to happen on the other side. Tribulation leads to what? Talk to me. It leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to what? Character. Character. Okay? Character leads to what? Hope. And hope, that expectation, that that holding on to, will not easily disappoint us. So guess what? When tribulation comes, are you going to glory in it? When when the shaking comes up, are you going to be like, oh boy, guess what? Something good's coming. As long as I'm in Christ, as long as I'm full of the Holy Ghost then I know that God will get me through. So when Peter gets arrested and thrown in prison, all he is is like, oh boy, something good's gonna happen. Some, I don't know quite what it is, but I know God's got me. And, and, then, and then the cool thing is, the crazy thing is, they're all praying back home at Mary's house. They're praying, and then here comes Peter knocking on the door, and they're confused. They're perplexed. What are they praying about? They're praying, probably, oh, I hope that Herod has a change of mind. I hope that Peter's not going to die. And then there's Peter standing at the door. Because sometimes our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Our ways are not God's ways. We get to the point where we gotta, we got to lay ourselves down saying, God, I want my thoughts to be your thoughts. God, I want my ways to be your ways. So why is it that they were so perplexed that Peter was actually at the door. Sometimes we don't believe what we're praying. But if we play, pray 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 from a place of victory, it changes everything. How do you pray? Begging? Begging for victory? Or are you praying from the place of victory? That God did and does and will do what he said he would do. Yeah, but God, you did it in the past. Would you please do it again? No, God, you did it in the past. Do it again. God, you moved in this house. Do it again, God. You moved in this city. Do it again, God. And when somebody rises up and says, y'all are a cult. You guys are crazy. I don't like you guys. You're like, oh, boy, that means something good is coming because the tribulation's here. I'm going to persevere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant my foot. Finally, brethren, Stand stand. And you get to that point and, and you, you say, that tribulation's coming. Oh boy, that means something good's on the other side. I'm going I'm to stand. I'm going to persevere. And then I'm going to persevere. Go ahead because if there's any wicked way within me, oh God, search me and try me. See if there's any wicked way within me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast, a steadfast, I'm going to stand spirit within me. Take not that Holy Spirit from me. And then I'm going to be in a place of hope because I know who my God is. I will will trust him. And even if he doesn't show up the way I think he's going to show up, I'm still going to trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Hey, if I get thrown in the fiery furnace, my God's going to save me one way or the other. On this side of glory or on the other side of glory? But yeah, but but, but God, you didn't, you didn't heal me whenever I prayed to get healed. Well, if you, you got to the other side, you're all healed anyhow. And you're with me. We, we, we run after life on this earth so much. We, we try to hold on to this life so dearly that we don't live from an internal hope perspective. We live in a perspective of wanting victory, not living for uh, it's it's done, it's already been settled in heaven. So therefore, why do I worry? Why am I why am I worrying? Why am I allowing that to shake me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I ain't bowing down to you, boy. Turn that fire up even more. Fire that thing up. Rise that thing up. Whoo! throw it in. The guy dives that throws it in. And I'll, what? Wait a second. There's a fourth man in there, and he looks like the son of man. Yeah. That's exactly right. He is who he said he is. Yeah. I'm going to throw Daniel. I'm throwing you into the fire. I'm throwing you into the den with the, the hungry lions. The old veggie tale says, they got pizza? If you haven't watched VeggieTales, the angels fed the lions pizza so they didn't eat Daniel. Could it happen? Absolutely. I don't think they had pizza back then, but, you know, whatever. We read that chains fall off, doors open, and he walks right by 16 guys. God help us with our unbelief. Help us with our unbelief. Jesus is chilling in the boat. And I love this story that you remember he just did some miracles. The storm rages. He's sleeping in the boat. He's in peace. He's in peace because he knows God's assignment. I ain't dying in this boat, boys. I still got to go to that cross. So I'm not going to die. In, I'm not dying in this boat. But the beauty of on the other side, before they ever set out sail, he said, We're going to the other side. Yeah. If Jesus said we're going to the other side, quit worrying along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Tribulation comes. Fantastic. I'm going to persevere. I'm gonna, it's, it's, it's actually developing my character so that I can live from a place of hope. Yeah. And on the other side, he meets the Gadarean demoniac. And it breaks things open. The principality over that region is is gone. And revival happens. I told you, we're getting to the other side. Why are you worrying? (laughs) Abraham unwavered. What's that say? I like that verse. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let me break that down. Now hope, it doesn't disappoint. We hold on. We've made it through the trials. We've stood through the perseverance. Our character has proven us, has tested us, has shown us to be, to be genuine And then we live from a place of hope. And it says, hope does not disappoint because, because. Why does it not disappoint? Because we know the love of God. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Peter, do you love me? Sure do, God. I like you. No, no, Peter, do you love me? I I do, God. I I like you. No, no, Peter. Peter. Do you love me? I do. And that word is agape. And this word is agape. There's agape, there's phileos, and there's eros. Eros comes from the Greek goddess of sexuality, of perversion. Today's Thursday. Monday night a lot of eros happened. That was Valentine's Day if you didn't know. It's a, it's a it's an unclean love. It's a love of lust. That's what eros is. Philio or philo phile, ph, uh, phileo there it is help me out. Phileo is brotherly love. It's a love that we, we care for each other. But agape, it's deep. We can't truly have koinonia unless we understand agape. Yeah. And God showed us agape by laying his son down, He'd given his son. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that he began to lay out this. We have hope because of the love of God. We know Jesus who ascended into heaven the angel stood there and said, why are you looking up there, boys? The same way he left, he's coming back. His word will not turn, return void. It will accomplish exactly what it intended to. So that means Jesus is coming back. Yeah. I believe it. I'm fully convinced of that. Do I live that way? I hope you do. Mm-hmm. I have this hope, and I know it does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You can't truly have koinonia unless you have the Holy Spirit. You can't truly have koinonia, fellowship with God and with each other, unless you you have the Holy Spirit, unless you understand the love of God. You can't go to that place because koinonia is that place that says, hey, whenever the disciples gathered together, if anyone had need, they sold what they had and they gave it to one another communism and socialism is antichrist that says what is yours is mine the kingdom of god says what is mine is yours i lay my life down because god laid his life down for me i learned what he did and showed me life so therefore i'm gonna do it i freely give it not you take it do you see the difference it's a slight shifting agape you ready Agape, an undefeatable, unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he does. I'm going to say that again. It's benevolence, right? It's an undefeatable benevolence, an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person no matter what he does so when somebody wrongs you I'm a glory in my tribulations because i know tribulations leads to perseverance and perseverance leads to character, and character leads to hope, and hope does not disappoint because I have hope because of the love of God. And so, therefore, I will love people when they wrong me. I will love people when they cut me down. I will love people when they come against me. True agape love is laying my life down, uh, is undefeated benevolence. Even when they do something wrong to me, I still will love. It is the self giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return Mm -hmm. and does not consider the worth of its object. Sometimes we say, I'm going to give to you because you got a lot of money and you might be giving me something back. But I'm not giving to you because you got no money, you got no job. So I'm going to lean over here, over where the money is because I'm hoping something comes back to me. No, it, no matter what. Agape is more a love by choice than filio or filio, which is the love by chance. And it refers to the will rather than the emotion. Agape describes the unconditional love of God that he has for the world. So where am I at in all of this? Tribulations? I'm going to get excited about those. In my flesh, I don't want to get excited about those. I I wish Paul would take those suckers out. But if I'm in my spirit, and if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, then as Paul walked up to that gentleman and he said, I perceive that you have faith to be healed. I got discernment. But when I'm in my flesh... When I'm in my emotions, when I'm in my mind, I'm all up in my stuff. I never see all of that. And therefore, I'm not freely going to give because I'm afraid they're going to take from me. I'm afraid they're going to use me. I'm afraid they're going to abuse me. But in in true agape love, I'm going to lay it all down there. And I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to choose you no matter what. I'm going to say, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be conformed to his likeness, even to that point of death. I'm going to glory in my tribulations. Y'all are throwing something at me. When you get it, when you look at it, if, if you are in Christ, you can do anything, right? I can do all things through Christ, in Christ, who strengthens me. I'm standing in him. I'm standing firm. So therefore, whenever that thing is thrown at me, I gotta change my perspective. I'm living from a place of victory. That means something good's coming. God's up to something. Deliverance is happening. Supernatural transference is happening. Something good is happening. You just gotta stand and live in the place of hope. Live out of the place of peace. You will not be shaken. Not be shaken. What happens if the economy tanks? I'm in a place of peace. That just means God's got to bring provision. Oh, the Ravens are going to bring me bread. The football team? The birds? Which one? I don't know. But whatever happens, God's going to do it. And even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. Because that means I'm going to eternity a whole lot faster. It's perspective. I love him. I'm fully convinced He is who he says he is. He's going to perform exactly what he says he performs. We give up. We give in. We tap out. Way too soon. There's so often that people leave the church, leave the faith, because God didn't show up. He didn't show up because you have a perception of how God's supposed to show up. Right. Yeah, but, I, but I, don't, I don't believe you, God, because you didn't heal my grandma. Right. I didn't believe you, God, because, because I prayed for my mother-in-law, and she, and she died. Right. Right. Who says you're God?
1: Amen.
2: My mother-in-law died from cancer. She was one of the healthiest persons I've, person I had ever known. She ate right... She did, she, did uh, like she, didn't, she didn't drink anything, she didn't eat anything that was nasty, and she died from lung cancer. She didn't smoke. It's a dreadful thing. We prayed for her. We had tons of people pray for her. She traveled all over and get people prayed for her. But I'm going to tell you what, I think out of her death, my brother-in-law's life was saved. Perspective. You're upset because your mother-in-law died, but you you don't see the ripple effect of what just happened. Two Sundays ago, not this Sunday, but last Sunday at Center City Church, we did something fun. You know, church should be fun sometimes, right? So we did something fun. And I had this unction, this feeling, this sense that one of these Sundays we were supposed to have pizza at church. And uh, so we were going to do this event, and we have, we have about a dozen, 15, 20 college students showing up at church. And I uh, said, so We're going to do pizza. We're going to get together with the college students. We're going to do, we call it Pizza with the Pastor, so we get to know them after the, after the service. And Because every college kid needs food. If you aren't feeding the college students, you're missing it. They need food, they need gas cards too, because they got no money. <laughs> Up in Altoona, we got sheets in Altoona. Y'all got Wawa, but we got sheets. And so you know what? We carry, we get a bunch of sheets gift cards. Those college kids got nothing. We're going to feed them. We're going to give you a sheets gift card. We're going to love on you. Okay, cool. That's fantastic, right? But I said, we're going to do this thing. And next time we we plan this to have pizza with the pastors, with the college students, I had this feeling. Let's have the pizza delivery guy come up front. I want him to bring me a pizza. And so we prepped everybody. And at the offering, we said, you gave your tithes, your offerings, all that, your seed, first fruits. But today, we're going to take up an offering for the pizza guy. We're going to give the best darn tip he's ever had in his life. And so people came in droves. And it was $821. They went back and counted it. And then they said, Hey, okay, you brought all the pizzas in. And, and they joked because it was my birthday two weeks ago. So they, uh, they ended up, we ended up getting, I think, 61 pizzas because we ended up feeding everybody in the church. It was awesome. And uh, we had a party afterwards. And, and so this guy, he brings all the pizzas in. The last pizza, they say, Oh, Pastor, Pastor wants you up on the stage. So he, he comes in with the pizza up on the stage. He's just looking at me and. It's Sunday. It's, it's actually still Sunday morning at that point. And uh, he, inter, 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 he like, came in during my message and interrupted my message. You have to go back and watch it. It's, for, it's really great. And he looks and he's like, uh, I said, hey, it's so good to have you here, whatever. And uh, um, he's like, I've never been a part of a, a sermon before. <laughs> I said, we are today. And, uh, and I just said, we just feel like we're supposed to bless you today. I don't know why. I don't know what you're going through, but I feel like God said, we're supposed to bless you. And I asked him what his name was. And I had the check there for the amount. And I, and he he said, he told me, I just wrote it out. I signed it. And I said, this check is for you for $821. He's kind of dumbfounded. I got, but, but he didn't go like crazy. I think, uh, I don't know, I don't know if he, I don't know if he was in shock or what, and everybody in our church, they were all jacked. They're standing and they're shouting and they're all over the place. This is so cool to be able to do this and bless them. And then, and then he heads back to Papa John's. And the manager calls our, 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 our assistant, Amy, and says, is this real? Yeah, it's real. God told us that we were supposed to bless him. I, I prayed for him, prayed over him and uh, he said he believed in Christ and whatever you know our job was to bless him and he and then the, the manager says why it's because we want to bless people we want to be a blessing in the city god told us to do it we don't know why maybe he has a need and she started weeping and she started breaking down who does that the church should the people of god should we should be so giving, benevolent. You bless one individual, you don't know the ripple. I got messages all day long. I heard about the pizza guy. I heard about the tip. That is amazing. But it did something so deep inside of that, inside of that Papa John's. It rocked their world that God, that somebody wanted to bless this guy. Churches are so known for take, give me, give me, give me something for free, give me something for free. No, 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 we flip that and said we're going to bless you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know the ripple effect. We sometimes are so simple and so focused on one thing. Yeah, but he didn't get healed. She didn't get healed. Yeah, but through that, there's a perseverance. Through that, character was developed. Something bigger and better. God, would you change our perspective? Yeah. Would you help give up your thoughts, O oh God? May our thoughts be your thoughts. May our ways be your ways. May we join where you're at, God. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. May we be fully convinced that you're for us. May we be fully convinced that you you promise and you will carry it out. May we operate from the place of victory, hoping and recognizing the love of God. Lord, we need you. The world needs you. And I ask, Lord, that you would use us. Not be ankle deep, not be knee deep, not be waist deep, but we dive in. God, that we would be so filled with your spirit that wherever we go, your presence is overflowing. I forgot to share the story of my friend Andrew. Andrew. He's flying across the country, long trip, he's from England, and he's so filled with God, praying, just reading the word, just that's what he does every day. He made some small talk with the guy beside him, and the guy beside him starts getting agitated. Andrew's just focused ahead, long trip, he's a preacher, he's a minister, he's a man of God. And this other guy just starts just, just getting agitated a little bit more. And then eventually, he can't take it any longer. The meshach. Can't, he can't take it any longer. And he grabs the man and he says, What's on you, man? What's on you? The doorway opened up and he said, That's the presence of God. That's the Holy Ghost. My prayer is that you will be so filled with God that at work, your next flight, whatever you're doing, people will look at you and they will be so intent, just like that man that leaned into the Apostle Paul. He heard his voice and he said, I need what you have. What's on you? But you got to stand to your feet.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rock City Church podcast. And a special thank you to all who generously give to our ministries. We're feeding 40,000 families each month through our food program. We're sheltering women in crisis and have had over 1,200 babies born through our girls' home. And we're able to impact countless lives around the world through generous givers like you. Tap the link in the description below to give online or visit our giving page at rockcitychurch.com. Our prayer room is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you need prayer, call our 24-hour prayer line at 410-882-2689. Like and share this message with your friends and subscribe to get the latest messages. You can also join us in service on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Thanks again for listening to the Rock City Church Podcast. God bless you.